Hey guys, I'm Pastor Jason Shirley. I'm the associate pastor right here at Word of Life Church in Carlsbad, New Mexico. And I'm really excited that you have joined us today online. Just a couple of things. I want you to drop us a line if you're watching wherever in the world and let us know where you're watching from. We would love to hear from you. Second, if you want to partner with us today in a financial way, then you can give by texting 84321 and just text your amount, or you can go to our website, wolcarlsbad.com, and you can click the Give tab and give that way. The last thing today is that if you have any needs or anything like that that we can partner with you on, then drop us a line and send us that, and we're going to partner with you in prayer. I believe today is going to be a wonderful day. I want you to open up your heart to receive from the Word of God today and always remember that God is madly in love with you. Let's get to the service. If I let it stay in your closet, you'd still be wearing it. So, so what can I say? <laughs> uh, so Brooklyn has the last remaining relic from my 90s closet. And so... Anyway, uh, therefore, that is the reason that uh, I am not dressed 90s this morning. I don't know, maybe I am. Maybe this is back in, you know, maybe this is coming around again. But uh, anyway, um, you know, I'm so happy to bring the Word of God to you. There's really absolutely nothing I would rather do than... Uh, uh, than to share the gospel. And, uh, you know, it's, it's the joy. Uh, you know, a lot of people think that, well, if I follow Jesus, he's going to make me do something I absolutely don't want to do. And, uh, you know, he's going to make me uh, go to deepest, darkest continent, uh, you know, where uh, to some tribe that nobody's ever heard of before and doesn't even know is on the planet and he's going to make me live there for the rest of my life and and uh you know that that's the kind of of thing that people think about if i follow jesus and if i surrender to him and say lord i'll do whatever you ask me to do they, they think that's what god's going to make them do first of all he's not going to make you do anything he might ask you to do something, but he will not make you do anything. He created you with the power of choice, and you get to choose. And, uh, but, but secondly, let me just add this, that whatever he asks you to do, um, he's, God works from the inside out, and and he begins to change your heart from the inside out. And you end up doing, if you're really following the Lord, you'll end up doing what you absolutely love to do. It may not be the thing you think today that you love to do, but, but when it comes time for you to do it, it will be what you love to do because he's changed your heart about it. You know, I, I, never, uh, I never thought about pastoring when I was growing up, you know. Uh, that was farthest thing from me, uh, you know. When it, uh, uh, the, the the missions work that I do and, and all, um, when we came to Carlsbad uh, to plant this church, 
we knew that we, we'd come from a great missions church. And um, so missions was in our hearts, and we wanted to do missions. But what we thought at the time, well, we're going to be working in Mexico and, and Central South America, you know, and, and we're thinking that because of our proximity to the southern border. Um, and so we, we just kind of assumed that that's where we would be doing the majority of our missions work. And for that's really where we started was Mexico. Uh, you know, uh, in more recent years, we've done uh, work in Guatemala. But the majority of our missions work has been in Asia. And I never even, in, in my wildest imagination, I never thought that Asia was where I would end up doing uh, most of my missions work. Um, but God's opened doors in the Philippines, and, and uh, uh, we've done, for, for many years now, I've made probably 20 trips now to the Philippines, uh, and now we've been doing work with, uh, uh, with Pakistan. We've been doing, you know, I've, uh, I've got a dear friend in Hong Kong that, that we work with. Uh, but uh, all of it, you know, it's amazing how that though I never even imagined Asia, yet God has done work in my heart, and Asia has become one of my favorite places on earth. You know, just, uh, I, I didn't say my favorite, because right here's my favorite, okay? But, uh, but it's become one of my favorite places on earth. And, it, it, and so, um, God loves to, to work in your heart. Just, just let him. Just let him. And you'll find the true joy in life is being right where God plants you, right where He, right where He wants you, doing what He wants you to do, and, and you don't have to be afraid of that because, see, our Father has been so mischaracterized that so many people think He wants you to somehow be miserable for Him. Uh, you know, I mean, it's almost some people's motto is "I'm just living in misery for Jesus." And, you know, he's not wanting you to be miserable. He, he creates you and gives you a purpose and a plan for your life. But he's not. I, I, I saw something that, that I posted a couple years ago um, on Facebook. That we thought that God wants to impose his will on unwilling people. But see, that's a mischaracteristic, mischaracterization of God. You know, we thought that he wanted to impose his will upon unwilling people, but in reality, what he wants to do is work in your heart and shape your will so that that your your desires begin to change. Your your, your life begins to change, and he takes you places you never imagined that, that you would ever go. Do things that you would never have imagined that you would ever do. 
Praise God. So today we are wrapping up our series on reintroducing love. And everything that we have done as, uh, over the last 30 years has all been because, first of all, we came to know the love of God. We came to know that He loves us. And because we came to know that He loves us, then we responded to that and we came to love Him. And when you love God, you do, you love what God loves. See, we found out He loves us, so we responded to love Him, and because we because we know that he loves us and we love him, we love what he loves. And what he loves is people. God so loved the world. The word world, we, we could substitute that word there as, as people. God so loved people. He wasn't talking about God loves planet Earth. I mean, of course, he, he's love, but... But that's not what it's talking God didn't so love planet Earth. He wasn't about the, the dirt and the water and the mountains and the trees and the, you know. No, he was about the people. In fact, people is why he created the Earth. And, um, you know, I, I mentioned this, that, that I believe in the, I have a Big Bang Theory of my own. The Big Bang Theory of my own is that that the love, love was bottled up in the heart of God. And you can't bottle a force like love up. And because of that, there was an explosion, a big bang, and you are the result of the big bang, of love exploding out of the heart of God. Praise God. And so when we begin to understand that and begin to grasp that, it's all for love. It's all because of love. And, uh, you know, people are, are looking for love. There's a country song, looking for love in all the wrong places. Well, if you're not looking for love in the heart of God, then you are looking in the wrong places. And because God is love, and He loves you so much. I, you know, I, I love to tell people that God's madly in love with you. I, I was telling someone uh, uh, just yesterday. Last night I was talking to someone at the block party, in fact. And, and, and I was just saying that God loves you. And, and uh, I said the, the church has, has this phrase. This, this person was frustrated with some things about the Christian life. And, and they were sharing this with me. And, and I said, you know, the, the, the thing is that, um, you know, God, the, the church has, has used this phrase. God loves sinners, but he hates sin. And I said, but here's the thing. Why does God hate sin? God hates sin because sin hurts you. He's not offended by sin. No, he hates it, but he hates it because it hurts you. And uh, why does he not want you to sin? Because he doesn't want you hurt. You know, 
do, do you hate automobiles? No, you don't hate automobiles, but you don't want your child playing in the street. You know, it's not that you are offended by automobiles. No, you know that playing in the street could get your child hurt. And so that's what you don't want. You know that, uh, you, you know, you don't, there's a lot of things that, that you want to keep your children away from, not because you're offended by those things, but because you don't want your child hurt. Praise God. And that's the way Father God is towards you. He doesn't want you hurt. That's why he hates sin. And, you know, and then I also pose this question. I said, does God love you because you're saved, or did he save you because he loves you? And if we get the answer to that question wrong, then, you know, what, uh, how, does that, how would that fit with John 3.16? God so loves the world that he gave his only begotten son. You see, the truth is, God saved you because he loves you. He doesn't love you because you're saved. He saved you because he loves you. That means that he loved you while you were still a sinner. In fact, the Bible tells us, the Apostle Paul wrote this to the Romans. He said, God demonstrated his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Praise God. That means he had to love you before you accepted him. Praise God. And so, uh, you know, I want to talk about some things today that, uh, you know, I, I hit on some points here over the last couple of weeks that, uh, talking about that, that we want to be a different kind of church. We want, we want to do something different. We want to have a, a different mentality, a different mindset, and, and uh, um, a different approach. And uh, that Jesus is teaching us what he had in mind. Praise God. When Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, he had something in mind. Jesus was picturing something. What was it Jesus was picturing? And, uh, and, and so... Uh, we, we want to find that out. We want to know what it was that Jesus was picturing because that's what we want to be. Praise God. Now, um, a few years ago, not, not all that many years ago, but just a few years ago, I began reading some things about, uh, about culture and about... Uh, developing a culture within an organization or within a company or within a, you know, and one of the things that I read was that, um, you know, you, you, it, it's something you need to do intentionally. It's not something that you just stumble onto. It's something that, I mean, now you will develop a, a culture accidentally, but it might not be a culture you want. But if you want to have a culture that, and, and what am I talking about when I'm talking about a culture? I'm talking about uh, the, the values that, that shape what you do. 
that, that dictate to you what you do and, and how you do things and, and, and just the, the, the feel of things when, um, you know, when, when people are around. You know, we, we purposed in our heart, and, and, and well, back up just a minute. In this book, the person was trying to explain what culture is and what he's referring to when he's talking about culture. And he said that uh, he, he used the example of Southwest Airlines. Southwest Airlines wanted to be the fun airline. And so they began to offer fun fares uh, to destinations where people would go to have fun. You know, they would offer a special fun fare to go to Disneyland or a, a fun fare to go to some other amusement park or some, you know, the, these are uh, tourist destinations and things that people do for fun. And so they, they uh, began to offer these fun fares because they wanted to be known as the fun airline. And, uh, uh, you know, and this person was talking about in the church, we have a culture. And what is our culture you know, if we don't purposely design things in order to, uh, to, to uh, present the culture that we want to have, then we're going to just accidentally have some kind of culture that may not be the one we want. And, uh, you know, we, there, there are churches that... They, they don't have this on, on any kind of a uh, placard or a banner or anything like that. But, uh, but there are churches that, that their culture is the cranky culture. Because everything about their church is, they're just cranky all the time. Uh, you know, a bitter culture. Everybody in the church is mad all the time, Always. And, and these are things that they've developed accidentally. And, and so we determined we didn't want to accidentally just have whatever kind of culture that happened. We wanted to intentionally have a culture, and mad love is our culture. And that, that's, we have deliberately designed what we do to build a culture of mad love. The, the four uh, core values that we have are to help to shape that culture. And so, um, one of the things that we pray over our church is that, um, you know, we pray that when people walk through the door, that they would be able to sense a tangible love, a tangible love. You see, we can say we love you, all we want to say, but we want people to be able to sense the love not, and, and to see love in action, not just to say it, but to demonstrate it. Praise God. And so... Um, I want you to get this in Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 32. It says, And be kind 
one to another. All right, if, if you're going to uh, demonstrate a culture of love, you got to be kind one to another. If you're not kind to people, they're not going to sense love from you. Be kind to one another, tender hearted. Now that's talking about sensing a, a, a or, or having a uh, having a compassion for people and realizing that that uh, you know you may not know what the person next to you had to go through just to get here on Sunday morning. You know you don't know what happened that morning. You know, uh, and I heard several years ago, I heard Rick Renner speaking, and Rick Renner talked about that. He said, you don't know what the person sitting next to you had to go through to get to church today. And, uh, and what he began to talk about was, you know, you might be sitting next to a wife whose husband didn't want her to come to church, whose husband, uh, you know, every time she comes to church, they fight about it before she comes but she perseveres and she comes and she's sitting there and and you know you she may walk in with this heavy load of i don't know if my husband's going to be there when i get home or not uh and, and that may be weighing on you don't know unless she opens up and tells you 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 don't know that she went through that you don't know the baby screamed all night last night you know, you don't know that uh, um, the the person sitting next to you maybe they've been having a really hard time at work, and uh, uh, maybe they're not sure that they're going to still have a job next week, uh, or maybe they already don't have a job. You you don't know those things unless people open. So be kind to one another. Be tender-hearted towards them be compassionate towards them and you know when a when a person is going through things like that they may say things they don't they wouldn't ordinarily say they may do things they wouldn't ordinarily do but compassion is, uh, allows us to be understanding towards them and and I don't have to know it, have you ever just really had a uh, bad thoughts about somebody because of something they did, and then you found out what they've been going through, and you felt like, you know, the gum on the bottom of somebody's shoe because, uh, because of what you have been thinking about them? Anybody besides, let's, let's, let's be honest here this morning. Anybody ever ever had one of those moments, you know, and, and you just thought, oh, man, I can't believe. I'm sure glad I didn't say anything because you found out that they were dealing with some things that, that caused them to think some things that, and, and to do some things and to say some things that ordinarily they wouldn't have said. You see, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. Didn't Jesus say, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do? 
He was. He said they, they don't understand what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. You know, I forgive them. They don't know what they do. And then he says, even as God, for in Christ, forgave you. Praise God. Because if we'll all be honest, we've all received a whole lot of forgiveness. You know, we, we've all been the recipient. We've all been on that end of the thing where we have received forgiveness from God. And we've, for, we've received forgiveness. I mean, honestly, we've, we've all received forgiveness from other people, too. Not just from God. So, well, he's God. He's supposed to forgive, you know. But we've all received forgiveness from other people, too. And, and you know, I, I have given God plenty of reason to not love me. I've given other people a lot of reason to not love me. But I'm thankful to God that people still love me. Praise God. Now, we want it to be a tangible love that when people walk through the door, they can sense this love. See, because people will gravitate to love. And if we want to reach our world, if we want to reach people for Jesus, we... If we want people to gravitate towards us, we've got to love. You know, there's old saying, you're going you're gonna to catch more flies with honey than vinegar. And, and you know, and there's a lot of truth in that statement that, uh, you know, it's just saying that if, if you're kind to people, if you love people, it's going to attract people. You're going to attract a lot more people than if you're bitter and angry and, and, uh, and, and this kind of thing. Now, um, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, notice this. He says that, Paul says this, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Now, I like to paraphrase that like this. If I speak with tongues and have all kinds of spiritual gifts manifesting in my life, but I don't have love, I've just simply become annoying. You know, we all know those people that 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 it's all about uh, it, it's all about being spiritual but they forget that being spiritual is, is really about loving people and and so they, they've simply become annoying well the lord told me this the lord told me that the lord did you know and uh um uh, But, but you can tell they're really annoyed by you. And so, as a result, they end up just being annoying. Because there is no, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and have not love, I have become a sounding brass and a clanging cymbal. You know, uh, that's why Josiah doesn't get to play cymbal solos. 
we'd all leave. I mean, he's a good drummer. Don't get me wrong. Josiah is an amazing drummer. But I don't want to hear his cymbal solo. Uh, you know, when you put it with everything else and blend it with everything else, it's amazing. But just beating on a cymbal is annoying. Now, uh, Paul goes on in that 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians, in verse number 8, it says, love never fails, but whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. But we know, for we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part will be done away. Now, this scripture has been used many times to say that, well, okay, tongues are going to cease because, you know, that, that's not something, we, we won't need that anymore, so that will cease. Some say they have already ceased, uh, but that's not what he's saying. He's saying we know in part, we prophesy in part, but when that which is Perfect, perfect is the opposite of in part. Perfect is that which is complete. So it says we know in part, but when we when that which is complete comes, then he goes on. He says, um, for we know in part, we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part will be done away so he said that which is it won't be in part anymore now what paul is talking about here if you notice chapter 12 of first corinthians is talking about spiritual gifts this is where we have nine spiritual gifts that are are uh listed for us and then he goes into the 13th chapter, we call the 13th chapter the love chapter. And then in verse, or, or chapter 14, he goes right back to talking about spiritual gifts again. So did he really stop talking about spiritual gifts and then talk about love for a chapter and then start talking about spiritual gifts again? Or is it one theme all the way through 12, 13, and 14? I'm here to tell you it's, it's one theme Chapter 12, chapter 13, and chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians is all one subject. And he's saying, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, though I have all these spiritual gifts in manifestation in my life, but if I don't have love in there, if it's, if it's not motivated by love, then, he says, I've just become annoying. He said, we, we, when we operate in these spiritual gifts, there is nobody, I don't care who they are or how spiritual they are, nobody, this, this, the Spirit of God doesn't reveal everything to anybody. Nobody has all power all knowledge, all wisdom, all tongues, all, you know, we all have part. 
And he's saying what we have to do is we have to take your part and 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 my part and put them all together. And when we do that, the Apostle Paul wrote to the Colossians, he said, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, the bond of completeness. He said, when we begin to operate with love, we cease to be a sounding brass and a clanging cymbal, and we begin to function as one unit, as one body, and in the body, every part does its share. In the body, you may know one thing, another person may know something else, and another person may know something else. And when we put that together, our knowledge has increased, our wisdom has increased. See, because we're putting it together. You know, you cut my right leg off and it's not very good by itself. But when I put it together with my left leg, I can walk. Praise God. You know, if the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? But when we put my, there, there are some things I can detect visually. There are some things I can detect audibly. But when I'm, if, if I'm just listening, if I close my eyes and just listen, I'm going to be limited in what I can detect. But when I put, you know, it, it's, it's real nice to be able to, what, what do you do when you're driving down the road, driving down the road, and you hear a siren? You start looking for it to see where it's coming from. Your ear detected it. But your ear could not tell you where it was. So your eyes start trying to locate it. You see, and this is what Paul is talking about when he says, when we, he goes on and he says, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I understood like a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Now, when he's talking about childhood, he, didn't, he did not say, I stopped speaking, I stopped understanding, I stopped thinking. That's, he didn't say, I stopped doing these things. He said, I stopped doing them in a childish manner. A childish manner means that I think my part's the only part. And I think my part is the most important part, and I think my part is, you know, and, and when, when we begin to think, that's childish. That's childish. But when we mature, we have put on the bond of perfection or the completion of things that bonds us together. And as we're bonded together, we can not only hear the siren, we can locate the siren You know, you smell smoke. You go looking for it. What's on fire? Your nose is telling you there's fire somewhere. But you want to know where the fire is. 
You want to know if your house is burning down so you can get out of the house if necessary. So you can call the fire department. You want to know where the, where, where, what's the source of the smoke. But your nose can't do that by itself. Your nose needs your eyes to locate the fire. Praise God. And in, in, in a church setting, you know, here's, here's what I want you to think about for a moment. If I'm missing, maybe I'm the eyes that locates. Maybe, maybe I'm the ears that identifies that there's, a, that, that, that there's something going on. Maybe I'm the nose that, you know. But if you're missing, we might be missing what identifies the problem or what tells us where the problem is located or what, you know. You see, we all have a role. All right, maybe you've located the fire, but you need your legs to kick into gear and get you out of there. So maybe you're the legs. Maybe you're, you're the feet. Maybe you're the hand that puts out the fire. You see, we all have a part. Praise God. And every part is necessary. It's not easy to just cut something off and live without it. You know, why does it bother us so much when somebody stops coming to church? Because we're missing some part that's necessary. Praise God. Colossians says this. It says, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another, if any has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. Praise God. Now, let's get to the, the next point here. We believe, here at Word of Life, we believe in the power of love. We believe in the power of love. Scripture says love never fails. We believe in the power of love. You know, love will, God so loved the world. Jesus came into this world and, you know, he, he demonstrated this love. In fact, they brought to Jesus a woman that had been caught in the act of adultery. And I'm not going to tell, talk about the whole story because I just want to bring you to, to one point. There was, there was a a. a a point there that the accusers had brought her to Jesus. They really, honestly, they wanted Jesus to stone her. They wanted Jesus to, or let them stone her. Give them, you know, the, well, you, you guys just need to go ahead and stone her. But after Jesus dealt with that issue, then he looked up to the, at the woman and he said, where are your accusers? She said, there are none. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. 
Now, do you think the woman went and sinned again? That, that she went right back and did what she was doing before? I don't think so. I don't think so. Jesus, he said, I don't condemn you. Why? Because the power of love empowered her to change. We believe that the power of love will give you the ability to change. It'll give you the ability to know you need to change. But it'll also give you the ability, you know, if I condemn you, you're going to go away and you're not going to change. You're going to go away angry. You're going to go away uh, hurt. You're going to go away wounded. But you're not going to go away changed. For the good, anyway. You might be changed for the worse, but you won't go away changed for the good. We believe in the power of love to change a person's life. That's why we are so heavy on the emphasis of love is because we believe love will cause you to want to change. And you'll be much more effective at change if you want to change. You know, nobody really ever changes if they don't want to change. But love empowers you because it causes you to want to change. You ever been around someone that just made you better? Just whenever you were around this person, you wanted to be a better person. You know. I've had a few people in my life that made me want to be better. They, they uh, just, just being in their presence made me want to be a better person. And that's what we believe around here is that love, if we love you, it will make you want to do better. And if you want to do better, then you, God begins to work on the inside of you and he begins to help you to do better, help you to be better. Praise God. We believe in the power of love. Thirdly, we believe that what God does for you, does in your life, he does it because he loves you. You know, you can tell the difference. You can tell the difference in a, in a legalistic mentality or a grace mentality. It's easy to tell the difference because a, a legalistic mentality says, if you will rise to the standard then God will do this for you. But a grace mentality says, God has done this for you in Christ. Now, receive what God's done for you. And then the power of love kicks in. You begin to understand that God did all this for you because he loves you. And then that makes you want to change. It makes you want to be different. It makes you want to do different. God heals 
not because you met all the requirements, because I guarantee you that in, if, if I wanted to find people guilty, we could hold a court right here, right now, I could find every one of you guilty of something. In five minutes or less. We find you all guilty of something. And if you're guilty of something, then uh, see, here's the deal. Under the law, there was a curse that was attached to breaking the law. And so if you broke the law, then this curse comes upon you and overtakes you. And, you know, so all we have to do to disqualify you from receiving anything from God is to point out what you're guilty of. But see, here's what we want to point out. Instead of pointing out what you're guilty of, we want to point out what God has forgiven you for. Praise God. So that because, you're, because you've been forgiven, now you're not guilty anymore. So therefore, God heals because He loves. He doesn't heal because you met a standard. He heals because he loves. He put your sickness, your disease, and your pain on Jesus because he loved you. He allowed him to bear all of that because he loves you. Because Jesus was the only one that was qualified to dispose of all of your guilt, all of your shame, all of your condemnation. He was the only one that, that had the capacity, the ability to forgive anything. Because he had no sin of his own, because he was sinless, therefore he could take all of your sin. If he had not been sinless, he would have had his own sin to deal with. But because he didn't have any of his own, therefore he was capable of dealing with yours. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. See, it's all because of love. Um, get this in verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. You see, the woman that had been caught in the act of adultery when she was brought before Jesus, there was the law condemned her. And the law condemned her to death. So it was so important that Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Because if he had condemned her, then he would have, by the law, had to pronounce the death penalty upon her. He would have been required to. He, he, if he had condemned her, then she was guilty, and the death sentence was upon her head. So he lifts the death sentence off of her. Now, how many people would be 
just so excited about that that they would run right back and go, and go do the same thing again. No. I, I can't believe this woman went right back to what she was doing before. Now, I want you to notice this. In John chapter 4, verse number 46, it says, So Jesus came again to, Gal to Cana of Galilee, where he, had been, where he had made the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. And when he heard that Jesus had come to Judea, into Galilee, he went to him and implored him and came down and healed his son, for he was at the point of death. Then Jesus said to him, Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. And the nobleman said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. And Jesus said to him, Go your way, your son lives. Now, how many people would have got mad at Jesus right then? Jesus, I come to you, I've heard you love people. I've heard you're compassionate about people, and yet my son is about to die, and I'm asking you to just come to my house and heal him, and you won't even come, you tell me to go home. You, you're telling me, go home, your son lives. I, I, don't you even care? So we find that the man did go home, but... With what kind of mentality did he go home? Was he, did he go home mad at Jesus? I'm thinking he might have. I'm thinking he may have very well been very angry with Jesus. Jesus, I came and I found you. I located you. I battled my way to get through this crowd to you. And I ask you to come to my house because my son is about to die and you won't even come to my house. You know. And so he goes away angry, goes home, and when he gets home, he finds out that his son's healed. And he begins to ask, well, what time was it when, 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 when he was healed? What time was it? And they tell him what time it was, and it says that he figured out that it was at the same time Jesus said, go home, your son lives. Now, then it says that when he heard that, he believed. Now, did you notice that when Jesus said, go home, your son lives, that was before he believed? In other words, Jesus didn't heal his son because he believed he didn't believe until after he found out his son was healed. Yet we've preached that, well, if you don't believe, you're not going to receive anything from God. Hmm, what I, what, how does this story fit in with that then? He didn't believe until after he found out his son was healed. And so, you know, a lot of times... A man of God may say, do this or do, do that, may give a, an, an instruction to do, and we're mad because he didn't do it the way we thought it should have been done. 
There was a, a man, a leper by the name of Naaman who went to um, uh, the prophet Elisha to be cleansed from his leprosy. Elisha just sent his servant out to tell him to go wash in the water uh, of the Jordan River seven times. And this guy went away mad. He went away mad, and he said, you'd have thought at least he would have come out and waved his hand over me or something. He said, we got better water than this in, in where I'm from. You know, this Jordan River, this is nasty water. And uh, so he was mad. But thankfully, he had a servant that was, that was smart enough to say, well, if he had asked you to do something hard, you'd have done it. But he, he just asked you to do, he just said, do something simple. So he went and he washed seven times in the Jordan River and he came up cleansed of his leprosy. Was it because of great faith? I'm sure that when he went down in the, in, in, dipped in the river, came up the sixth time, that he was thinking, this is the stupidest thing. But he went down one more time just because, okay, the prophet said so. And my servant here is not going to let me go home without doing it. So he went down the seventh time and he came up cleansed of his leprosy. This man that came to Jesus, this nobleman that came to Jesus, surely he would have at least stopped, maybe, you know, maybe spent at least ten minutes praying for my kid. He, he you know, wouldn't he at least just come to my house and... And lay his hand, and if he, you know, at least he's done something. He just said, go home. Your son lives. He doesn't understand that he's about to die. He didn't even hear when I said he's about to die. Jesus did you know, he didn't even pay attention to what I said. And a lot of times people are like that, that they come, you know, well, I'd have thought that they'd at least have had a, a, a healing line. I thought that at least they would have put some catchers behind me in case I fall. I would have thought that at least, you know, they would have gathered people around and, and had a prayer meeting or something. But instead, all they did was say, when you partake of the bread, receive your healing. You know, I'm not going back to that church anymore because I wanted, to, I wanted a prayer line. Why don't they call people down front anymore? Why don't they have a prayer, prayer line anymore? And there are people that go away angry because it wasn't their way. But you know what? The son got healed even though daddy went home angry. And so, you know, I want us to understand that what God does, He doesn't go, He, he doesn't do it because we meet a standard. Because that guy didn't meet the standard. He didn't have great faith. Well, if you got great faith, you can receive your healing. No, that guy didn't have any faith. He didn't have faith. He didn't believe until after he got home and found out his son was healed. And so God doesn't heal because we measure up. 
because we do everything exactly right. See, here's the thing. I, I, I like to say it this way. God will meet you where you are, but you do need to show up for the meeting. You know. He'll meet you right where you are, but you got to meet with you. You have to at least be willing to meet with him. He may not do it the way you want it done, but that, that's really not even the point of my message. The point of my message is he does it because he loves, not because of you meeting the standard. Praise God. And, and I, I shared that story to help you to understand that this man received what he needed from the Lord without meeting the standard, but he did show up. Praise God. He may have been mad. He may have been upset. He may have been talking bad about Jesus all the way home. But he did show up. And Jesus loved him not because he met the standard, but Jesus loved him because he is love. Praise God. Praise God. Now, we come to this place today. We're wrapping up this 30th birthday celebration. You know, we didn't do everything right. You know, I could tell you a, a lot of things I've done wrong over the last 30 years. But one thing we did was we showed up. We showed up, and God has done what he has done, not because of our great faith, not because we did everything right, but God has done what he has done. And, and I'm sure that we have done some things that have that have actually hindered there's no doubt in my mind but there is one thing about it god loves people god loves the people of carlsbad new mexico and he wanted a church in carlsbad new mexico that will love people he loves you and he wants you loved. He wants you loved not just by him, but he wants you loved by us. And there's a whole lot of other people out there that have never been through these doors that he loves. And he wants them loved too. Praise God. And so, that's why we're here today. That's why we preach this message today. Because God wants you to know that he is madly in love with you. So right now, maybe you're watching online, maybe you're sitting in this room, and maybe not everything's been the way you wanted it to be. Maybe not everything has been the way that you had hoped it would be. Maybe it's not the way you envisioned it. Maybe it's not the way you're used to. But one thing for sure, I can assure you that God loves you. And that He 
planted this church in Carlsbad, New Mexico because he loves you. And right now, I am asking you to respond to his love. I am asking you that if you have never accepted his love gift to you, his, his first love gift to you is the gift of salvation. If you have never accepted his love gift to you, right now would be the perfect time. Maybe you haven't measured up. Maybe you haven't done anything right. Doesn't matter. It's about the fact that he loved you, not about you measuring up to a standard. Bible tells us that if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. So I want to ask everyone that hears my voice right now, whether that is online, whether it's two weeks or two years from, from the date that I'm saying this. Maybe you're viewing online right now. It doesn't matter. As soon as you hear this invitation, I want you to pray this prayer with me. If you've never received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, you've never been saved, right now, it can happen to you. So let's, let's all say this together. And when we say amen at the end of this, the word amen means so be it. Everything you just prayed. So when you say amen, if you meant what you said, if you didn't mean it, nothing will happen. Don't worry about it. Nothing will happen. It's not going to cause something bad to happen to you. No, if, if you but if you mean it, something wonderful is going to happen to you. You're going to pass from death to life. You're going to be saved. You're going to be the recipient of eternal life. Praise God. So pray this with me right now. Say, God in heaven, I believe that you so loved me that you sent your son to die on a cross for me to pay the penalty for all my sins. And then you raised him from the dead so I could have new life. Today, I accept your love gift. I accept Jesus as my Savior. Jesus, come into my life. And from this day forward, I want to learn to know you. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Now, here we go. This is the word that seals it all. Say this with me. Amen. Thank you once again for joining us today online. We value you and we want to hear from you. If you made a decision for Christ today, you can select I Choose Jesus on our website. And we've got a couple videos for you to watch so that you can get started on your walk with God. We've also got a free ebook that you can download right from our website called I Choose Jesus. And I want to encourage you to do that. Once again, thank you for joining us and remember that God is madly in love.